We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 712 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, December 4th, 2023. Here's all that you need to know about what happened at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. A fire alarm was going off at the stadium after the game. Turned out to be a false alarm, but at the same time, the fire alarm going off very appropriate, very fitting, very apropos, because the commander's season right now is a burning pile of trash, okay? And the commander's football operations are going to be burned to the ground uh, once the team season is over. Heck, maybe even sooner at this point. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The commanders in this 2023 NFL regular season now are 2-9 and nine. Since their 2-0 and start, the last two games have been two losses by a combined score of 90-25. 90-25. Let that sink in. A 45-10 loss at the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving and a 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. We, during head coach Rod Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, off his team getting tripled up by the Dolphins, had this exchange between David Aldridge of The Athletic and Ron. We know that Dallas and Miami are good teams, but are you surprised at how big the gap seems to be these last two weeks? Um, I'm disappointed that it looks that way. I really am. Yeah, Ron, so are we. <laughs> so are we. Uh, the commanders for this regular season now are 4-9 with a point differential of minus 134. My friends, that is the worst point differential in the NFL. But, and I can't emphasize this enough, the Commanders exited Sunday having the number four overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft. The Commanders moved up a spot from number five. In the bigger picture, that is what matters most for our team from Sunday. A Sunday during which FedEx Field was overtaken 
by Dolphins fans. Uh, the Commanders on Saturday afternoon announced the game as a sellout, making the team 6-6 six six in terms of selling out home games for this regular season. But there were a lot of Dolphins fans at FedEx Field for the game. Uh, coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of what went down at what was at least initially a foggy FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Next segment, a breakdown of the performance of quarterback Sam Howell. And then in the following segment, I'll discuss a variety of other aspects of the game, including receiver Terry McLaurin having no receptions on just three targets. And, oh yeah, (laughs) the commander's defense in its debut with uh, Ron Rivera as defensive coordinator, uh, the defense getting victimized by the high-flying Dolphins offense. What do you think that fired Commanders defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio was thinking on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we, during the show, also will get into uh, the best of Rod Rivera's post-game press conference uh, and the best of Sam Howell's post-game press conference. Also on the show, college football will take you through the bowl games for the FBS teams of the Mid-Atlantic region as we, on Sunday afternoon, learned of the bowl games for Maryland, Liberty, James Madison, Virginia Tech, and Old Dominion. I'll also talk about Liberty's very impressive win in the Conference USA Championship game, a 49-35 victory over New Mexico State at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Friday night, earning the Flames a spot in a New Year's Six bowl game. Uh, And on the show, we'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. A rough loss for the Caps late night on Saturday night. A 4-1 loss at the Vegas Golden Knights as center Evgeny Kuznetsov got demoted and then benched. Uh, We had another loss for our tanking Wizards, a 130-125 loss at the Orlando Magic on Friday night. And we have a lot to get into in college hoops, including Maryland getting ripped and its Big Ten opener, a 65-53 loss at Indiana on Friday night. And Georgetown getting robbed in an 84-83 loss to TCU at Capital One Arena on Saturday evening in the 2023 Big East Big 12 battle. The Hoyas lost on a last-second three that should not have counted. Uh, we also have Virginia and Virginia Tech, each team winning its ACC opener. Uh, before we get to some feedback, Major League Baseball's winter meetings have begun. Uh, they are taking place Sunday through Wednesday, December 3rd through the 6th. Uh, this year's winter meetings happening in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, do not hold your breath on the Nationals or Orioles doing anything big at the winter meetings. But, of course, you never know. And, of course, if anything big with the Nats or O's happens at the winter meetings, you'll hear about it on this podcast. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. A lot of feedback on the commanders of their uh, highly competitive loss <laughs> to the Dolphins. I on X shortly after the game posted that this loss clinched Ron Rivera not having a winning record for the fourth time in four regular seasons as Washington head coach and dropped his regular season winning percentages. Washington head coach to a mere one point better than Jay Gruden's. Uh, Some of the responses (laughs) to that post uh, from Gareth on X, Gruden was better and I hated that MF. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thank you, Gareth. Uh, From Mo on X, what bothers me more than the record is that we are so much worse in year four of a rebuild. How did we get worse? 
Uh, thank you, Mo. Good question. From Nate Robinson on X. I know a lot of fans were convinced that once we got rid of Dan Snyder, we'd be like transformed and great and all that. It's going to take time to undo the 20 plus years of rot that Dan did to this once great franchise. We can't expect a miraculous turnaround just because Josh Harris owns the team now. Patience. Uh, thank you, Nate. True that. Uh, from Rob Bailey on X, I'm starting to think that Ron's job might be in jeopardy. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Rob. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to think that too. Email from Kendall Coates on receiver Tyree Kill's 78-yard touchdown reception in the first quarter. Writes Kendall, longest play of the year for Miami. How about that? Go Mandos. Uh, thank you for the email, Kendall. Yes, go Mandos. Uh, email from Michael King writes, Mike, Ron Rivera being a terrible head coach was apparent from the moment that peak Cam Newton expired. But when is more attention going to be given to the incredibly terrible roster that Ron and the boys have constructed? Four full years into coach-centric and the skins resemble any of the junk that Dan and Vinny put together. Who are the true, without a doubt, keepers on the team? Not very many. Total personnel incompetence, in my opinion. Thanks, Al. I never miss the best show in town. Well, thank you for that, Mike. You're not wrong, both in your opinion on the roster and on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, the most disheartening thing about this commander season, and I've talked about this thing recently, is that the roster is not as good as we thought. Now, I didn't think that the roster was like top 10 in the NFL, but I did think that the roster was maybe possibly top 16 in the NFL, i.e. part of the upper half of the NFL. And there's just no way that you can make that case right now. This team is really bad. Well, what's also really bad is dealing with skin problems. But luckily, we have Dr. George Verghese. Dr. George Verghese, he is a board-certified dermatologist and a Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is a big Commanders fan, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, which has locations in Waldorf, Maryland, Leonardtown, Maryland, and Lexington Park, Maryland. Uh, whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301 396 3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. The Mid Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings to anyone considered a new patient. And Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer advanced treatments for skin cancer. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit Mid-Atlantic Skin Dot com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you.
Well, I have said that the way for the Commanders for the rest of their games in the 2023 regular season is quarterback Sam Howell playing well in each game, but the defense doing just enough to lose each game. Uh, Well, the team's 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon certainly featured the defense doing its part in the way, Uh, but Sam, unfortunately, did not do his part. Uh, This was not a good game for Sam. This also was not a good game for Commander's assistant head coach slash Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Eric's offense on Sunday afternoon scored just two touchdowns and averaged just 4.54 yards per play. The commanders in the game had nine true offensive drives. Those drives resulted in five punts, a pick six, a missed field goal attempt, and two touchdowns. Uh, Eric on Sunday afternoon was bested by Dolphins defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, just like Eric in the commander's two losses to the New York Giants this season was bested by another veteran defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale. Uh, But Sam Howell, it is he who matters most in terms of what happens with the commanders on the field the rest of the team season, and he and this loss to the Dolphins did not have a good game. Now, uh, we did finally see Jacoby Brissett play in this 2023 NFL regular season. He was the commander's QB2, but he played in a game for the first time in this regular season. Uh, Although, you know, Brissett's time in the game was him executing three under center handoffs to running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. over the final three snaps of the game. But for the record, this was head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on Jacoby Brissett playing. That was just a matter of the game was pretty much salted away and, you know, just let uh, Jacoby get out there and, and finish it up for us. All right. So no quarterback controversy, nor should there be. Uh, Sam Howell over 23 pass attempts threw for just 127 yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 5.52. Not good. Uh, Sam completed just 12 of his 23 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of just 52.17. Not good. Uh, Sam threw more touchdown passes for the Dolphins, one, uh, than he did for the Commanders, uh, zero. Uh, Sam threw a pick six for a third consecutive game and for the fourth time in this regular season. The pick six is emerging as a problem for Sam Howell. Uh, The Commander's fourth offensive drive, the lone snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 38 with 101 left in the first quarter. Sam threw a 33-yard pick six to linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle as Sam on a shotgun screen pass on a quick throw threw the ball right to Van Ginkle, uh, who quit his pass rush, jumped into coverage, and made what ended up being a pretty easy pick six. Uh, The ensuing extra point gave the Dolphins a 17-0 lead. Here was Sam during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the pick six. Yeah, just had a quick wide receiver screen. Uh, pretty much just trying to catch the ball and get it out as quick as possible. Um, just kind of unfortunate thing to happen. Guy made a good play um, when I'm just catching and throwing so quick. It's kind of hard to see him. Um, usually, you know, we're, the, the, the DN's not in that type of position to make a play on the ball. Um, but yeah, just an unfortunate thing to happen. So the pick six was Sam Howell's only actual interception in the loss to the Dolphins, but he in the third quarter nearly threw another interception. The commander's eighth offensive drive. This was their first drive of the second half. The drive did result in a touchdown, resulted in Sam's third quarter, fourth and three, 13-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run. But the sixth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Dolphins 20, Sam, while under major duress, threw a shotgun pass in an attempted throwaway but he didn't actually throw the ball away. The ball did not get out of bounds, was nearly intercepted. Uh, Sam 
on the play, took a quarterback hit from edge defender Emmanuel Agba. Uh, and then we have the sacks. Uh, now, has the Sam Howell sack problem been lessened over the last month or so? Yes. But there still is a sack problem. Sam on Sunday afternoon took three sacks, and at least two of them seem to be the result of him holding on to the ball for too long. Uh, I take you back to the commander's second offensive drive. Sam on this drive took a bad sack. The drive resulted in a first quarter three and out, third snap of the drive, third and seven for the commanders at their 28. Sam uh, seemingly held onto the ball for too long and worked himself right into a sack that was split by linebacker Bradley Chubb and interior defensive lineman Zach Sealer for a seven-yard loss. Sam Howell in this regular season now has taken a franchise record 58 sacks. By the way, he long ago broke the franchise record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season. That record had been 49, uh, which was shared by two quarterbacks, Norm Sneed in 1961 and Trent Green in 1998. Sam now at 58 sacks taken in this regular season. He actually is on pace to take 76 sacks this regular season. Uh, 76 is the NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season. Uh, The Houston Texans, David Carr in the 2002 regular season took 76 sacks. But the sacks do remain an issue. Not as much of an issue, but still an issue. Uh, here was Sam during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, been a tough couple of weeks. Um, we got we to do things better offensively. And, you know, it starts with me. I got to play better football. And, you know, we just got to continue and try to get better. Obviously, you know, it's we're getting towards the end here of the season. But, you know, we still got a lot to play for. And we're going to keep giving it keep giving it everything we got. Um, but, no, it starts with me. I got to play better and got to try to continue to get everybody involved and, you know, get into more of a rhythm early in games and not let, not let us not dig ourselves into a hole. Um, but we just got to be better. Yes, you do. Now, there were two things in particular that I did like from Sam Howell in this loss to the Dolphins. Uh, First of all, Sam was very good as a runner. He had four carries for 21 yards and two touchdowns. Sam had a second quarter, third and goal, one yard, under center, quarterback sneak, tush-push touchdown run. And Sam had a third quarter, fourth and three 13-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run on which he weaved his way through the Dolphins' defense. And Sam then had a two-yard shotgun completion to tight end Logan Thomas for a two-point conversion to cut the commander's deficit to 38-15. And Sam on the commander's second offensive drive had an impressive three-yard scramble. Uh, The drive resulted in a first quarter three and down, but the first snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their 25. Sam had a three-yard shotgun scramble on which he faced immediate pressure uh, due to left guard Chris Paul getting blown up by Zach Sealer, but Sam evaded multiple Dolphins defenders in generating a positive game. Sam, as an NFL quarterback, has been pretty productive as a runner. He now, over 14 career NFL regular season games slash starts, has six rushing touchdowns, and his ability to make defenders miss and to generate yardage after contact, really impressive. Uh, Also, Sam, in this loss to the Dolphins, uh, actually (laughs) did quarterback a commander's offense that was good on third downs. I know it did not necessarily seem that way, but the commanders on Sunday afternoon with Sam Howell in the game went 6 of 13 on third downs. Uh, Sam had multiple impressive third down completions, including multiple impressive off-schedule third down completions. The commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in Sam's second quarter third and goal one yard under center touchdown run. The seventh snap of the drive on a third and seven for the commanders at the Dolphins 34. Sam had a 33-yard shotgun completion 
to receiver Curtis Samuel on a deep ball to Curtis, who was wide open as he ran down the right side on a wheel route. Uh, the commander's eighth offensive drive. Uh, this was the drive that resulted in Sam's second touchdown run, the third quarter, fourth and three. 13-yard shotgun scramble touchdown run. Second snap of this drive. Uh, now, this was not a third down completion, but this was a great off-schedule completion. Second and four for the commanders at their 31. Sam had a 32-yard shotgun completion to running back Antonio Gibson on an off-schedule completion on which Sam, uh, running to his right, found an open Gibson down the field. And Gibson made a really nice twisting catch. And then the fifth snap of the drive on a third and four for the commanders at the Dolphins 31. Sam had an 11-yard shotgun sprint out completion to receiver Jahan Dotson. Uh, the commander's first offensive drive. Uh, this was the opening drive of the game. Uh, the drive did result in a first quarter punt just prior to which there was a very loud let's go Dolphins chant at FedEx Field. That was nice. But uh, the third snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at their 27. Sam had a 12-yard shotgun completion to Jahan Dodson on an off-schedule throw on which Sam threw off running to his right. Uh, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel challenged the play, but the completion was upheld. And the commander's sixth offensive drive, this drive resulted in a second quarter punt, but the third snap of the drive, third and three for the commanders at their 32. Sam had a 25-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel on an off-schedule completion on which Sam spun away from pressure and then made the throw off running to his left. So all of that was good, uh, but we on Sunday afternoon did not have enough good uh, from Sam. And this is part of the evaluation. You can't let every game be a referendum on Sam as an NFL quarterback. You got to let the sample size continue to grow. But a game like this is why when Sam was going well, I wasn't going all in on Sam as the absolute, definite, no doubt about it, QB1 for the commanders going forward. And I got a kick out of the people who were like, no, I've seen enough. (laughs) I've seen enough. He's a franchise guy. He is him. We must move forward with him. And it's like, hey, man, I like what we're seeing, too. I'm encouraged by what we're seeing. But can we see some more? You know, can we not propose marriage after a few nice dates? Okay, can we have a little more self-respect than that and ask to see some more? And, you know, as the commanders continue to lose and continue to make their way toward having potentially a top five pick in the 2024 NFL draft, yeah, we do need to see more from Sam Howell because more and more, it's looking like the commanders are going to be in position to take a top quarterback in the 2024 draft. Uh, Sam has a lot of work to do to make it so that the commanders with a top five pick in the 2024 draft, should not take a quarterback. But let me make this clear. I'm rooting for Sam to accomplish that work. I want it so that our team exits this season with Sam Howell as the obvious QB1 moving forward. But Sam right now is not the obvious QB1 for the commanders moving forward. Well, something that is obvious is the great work that is done by Nova Fireplace and Stove. If you are in need of fireplace, stove, or chimney work, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive 
$1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big Commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master Gas Fitter, Master Electrician, Class A Contractor, Licensed Chimney Inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. And take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you want Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It could be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, a few more things on the commander's offense in the 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. And then we'll get to the defense. So receiver Terry McLaurin, he on Sunday afternoon had no receptions on three targets. Uh, That is shameful. That is inexcusable. In a game in which the Dolphins WR1, Tyreek Hill, had five receptions for 157 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets, the Commanders WR1, had no receptions on three targets. And yes, Tyreek Hill just may be the best receiver in the NFL. But how come he can put up those numbers and RWR1 put up the numbers that he put up? The Commanders on July 5th, 2022, officially announced having signed Terry to a three-year contract extension. Uh, The extension featured $34.654 million fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, We rejoiced at the news of the commander signing Terry to this contract extension, right? But here's the reality. The day on which this episode of the podcast is for, December 4th, 2023, this marks the one-year anniversary of the last time that Terry had more than 90 receiving yards in a regular season game. Never mind 100 receiving yards. I'm talking 90 receiving yards. 
Terry has not had more than 90 receiving yards in a regular season game since the Commanders' 20-all tie at the New York Giants on December 4, 2022. This is a function of many things, including, let's be honest, Terry himself. He this season is not getting open like a big money number one receiver should be getting open. But geez, a mere three targets for Terry on Sunday afternoon, that is terrible. That makes a lot of people look bad, including commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Uh, this was quarterback Sam Howell during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on Terry McLaurin having zero receptions on three targets. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely not, not what we wanted to do coming into the game. Um, you know, not only Terry, but I feel like we, we struggled to get all of our guys involved in the game today. And, you know, we just got to, got to be better. You know, Terry's, you know, the best player in our offense and we got to find ways to get, to get him the football. I got to find ways to get him the football. You know, obviously he had a few targets, um, but, you know, three targets isn't enough for your best player. Um, so we just got to, you know, just find, try to find more ways to get him involved. Do you talk to him after a game like that? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a moment yet after this game, but I mean, he knows he knows what I think of him as a player, and that I'm trying to do my job and trying to get him the football. Um, so it's definitely just a, something that's frustrating, um, and it's never the plan or intent to not get him involved. Um, so it's just something we got to try to get better at. By the way, we on Sunday afternoon not only had the Commander's number one receiver in Terry McLaurin having no receptions on three targets, we also had the Commander's number one tight end, Logan Thomas, having no receptions on one target, although he did have the reception for a two-point conversion. We also had another drop by receiver Jahan Dodson. Uh, Jahan had two receptions for 23 yards on five targets, but he on the commander's sixth offensive drive had yet another drop. Uh, the drop resulted in a second quarter punt, the fourth snap of the drop at a first and 10 for the commanders at the Dolphins 43. Jahan had a drop on a shotgun in completion by Sam Howell. Uh, also with the commander's offense in this loss to the Dolphins was an injury for running back Brian Robinson Jr. He dealt with a hamstring injury and did not play in the second half. He was productive in the first half. Robinson had seven carries for 53 yards. He was not targeted in the passing game, but he on the commander's fifth offensive drive totaled 44 rushing yards on three good runs over the drive's first four plays. Uh, this was the drive that resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter, third and goal, one yard under center touchdown run. First snap of the drive and the uh, next to last snap of the first quarter on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 25. Robinson had an eight yard shotgun handoff run. Second snap of the drive, uh, the last snap of the first quarter, second and two for the commanders at their 33. Robinson, a seven yard shotgun handoff run. And the fourth snap of the drive, second snap of the second quarter, second and 16 for the commanders at their 34. Robinson had a 29-yard shotgun handoff run on which he made a nice jab step and then raced down the right sideline and busted through a collection of players for yardage after contact. How about that? Second and 16, Eric Bieniemy went run and got the first down by a ton, a 29-yard run by Robinson. Uh, here was head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Brian Robinson hamstring injury. Um, just the hamstring tightened up, and and you know we just thought obviously to be smart about it. We didn't want to go out and, and pull it, so we um, you know we, we sat him down. 
This does not mean a ton because the Commanders lost by 30 points, okay? (laughs) But the Commanders in this game actually ran the ball pretty well. Running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and Chris Rodriguez Jr. combined for 24 carries for 117 yards. Uh, As for the Commanders' defense, uh, well, the Commanders' defense in its first game with Rod Rivera as defensive coordinator, was atrocious, okay? I mean, we all knew that this matchup for the defense was, uh, shall we say, challenging. Uh, The Dolphins, for this regular season through Week 12, were number three in the NFL in total offense per DVOA and number one in the NFL in yards per play. And what we ended up getting... Uh, was yet another embarrassing performance by this commander's defense, about which enough bad things cannot be said. Uh, It is true that defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brent Wieselmeyer deserve to be fired as they were by Ron Rivera the day after Thanksgiving. But it's also true that there is a lot more to the defense being bad this season than just coaching. The uncomfortable, inconvenient truth is that this defense does have a talent problem. Now, how much of a talent problem is hard to say, but the notion that Jack Del Rio and Brent Wieselmeyer, that uh, JDR and BV <laughs> were holding back a defense with like top five talent in the NFL is wrong. We all overestimated the talent on this defense. What offenses are doing to this commander's defense is humiliating. We in this loss to the Dolphins saw more video game-like numbers put up by an offense against this commander's defense. The commanders allowed Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungabailoa to go 18 of 24 for 280 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Tua had a yards per pass attempt of 11.67 and a yards per completion of 15.56. The Commanders got scorched, and I mean scorched, by Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill. He had five receptions for 157 yards and two touchdowns, which were of 78 and 60 yards, and all of this came over just seven targets. You know, it's not like the Dolphins targeted Tyreek that much, but Tyreek, when targeted, uh, torched the Commanders. The Dolphins First offensive drive, the third snap of the drive on a third and two for the Dolphins at their 22. Defensive back Quan Martin burned big time by Tyreek on a 78-yard shotgun touchdown bomb by Tua to Tyreek on the left side of the field. And also on the play was on the right side of the field, running back Davon Achan burning linebacker Jamin Davis. By the way, Tyreek Hill during his post-game press conference, said that Tua audibled to a different route on that 78-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. Why? Quote, it was a favorable matchup. Tua noticed it immediately. End quote. I.e., we saw Quan on me, and we knew that I would be burning Quan. And sure enough, That's exactly what went down. And then the Dolphins' fourth offensive drive, the fifth snap of that drive on a second quarter, third and seven for the Dolphins at their 40-corner. Kendall Fuller and safety Percy Butler torched by Tyree Kill on a 60-yard shotgun touchdown bomb by Tua Tungavailoa to Tyreek to beat the Blitz. And the ensuing extra point gave the Dolphins a 24-7 lead. Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on 
the Dolphins passing offense. Well, probably the, the hardest part for us more than anything else was, you know, uh, again, we've, we've got to get a little bit more consistent pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, but there, there were two major plays that, that were made that kind of throws things a little bit out of whack. You give it those kind of explosives, it's, it's, it's tough to rebound from it. Yes, it is. We heard Ron Rivera mention the commanders' a pass rush needing to be better. Uh, the commanders in this loss to the Dolphins totaled no sacks and just two quarterback hits. How's that commander's pass rush doing? This was the commander's fifth game since trading edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young on October 31st. What was 2023 NFL trade deadline day? The commanders in their 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field in week 11 did have nine sacks, but the commanders in their other four games since trading Montez and Chase have totaled just one sack and just 10 quarterback hits. The pass rush has become basically non-existent, save for that loss to the Giants. Although remember, in that game, yeah, the commander sacked Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito nine times, but DeVito still picked apart the commander's porous defense. Uh, did the commander's two big money interior defensive linemen, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, play <laughs> on Sunday afternoon? I'm serious. I mean, save for one play, those two were invisible. And the commanders had problems stopping the run. The commanders allowed Dolphins running backs Davon Achan and Raheem Mostert to combine for 28 carries for 116 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, that which we thought might happen did happen. The commander's defense got worked by this Dolphins offense. The only nice thing that you can really say about the commander's defense was that it did have some tackles for loss. Six tackles for loss. Uh, linebacker Jamin Davis, uh, he on the Dolphins' second offensive drive had tackles for loss on back-to-back plays. So the drive resulted in kicker Jason Sanders' first quarter 49-yard field goal for a 10-0 Dolphins lead. Fifth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Dolphins at the Commanders' 36. Jamin tackled Raheem Mostert for a four-yard loss on a pistol-toss run. Sixth snap of the drive, second and 14 for the Dolphins at the Commanders' 40. Jamin tackled fullback Alec Ingold for a three-yard loss on a reception by Ingold on a shotgun completion by Tua Tungabailoa. And the commanders on the Dolphins' third offensive drive had tackles for loss on back-to-back plays. The drive resulted in a late first quarter three and out. Yet the commanders did actually force a three and out by the Dolphins at one point in this game. Second snap of the drive, second and 10 for the Dolphins at their 19. Edge defender K.J. Henry tackled Devon Achan for a seven-yard loss on a pistol toss run. And third snap of the drive, third and 17 for the Dolphins at their 12. Deron Payne, there he was, uh, tackled Tyree Kill for a six-yard loss on a shotgun completion by Tua Tungabailoa, who took a quarterback hit from Jonathan Allen. There he was. But yes, save for that play, where were John and Duran in this game? Uh, we, during Ron Rivera's post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon, had this exchange between David Aldridge of The Athletic and Ron. Ron, at the, at the beginning of the season, the, there was a thought that, from a talent standpoint, there had been some improvements, whether through the draft or free agency. And I wonder what you think about that now. Do you think that they're still there, or is there more work to be done than maybe oh, we all thought? I think there's a little bit of work left to be done, but I do think we have some talent some spots. 
I, I think some guys are, are most certainly gifted enough to help us win football games, and uh, I, I think there's opportunities. But we've missed those opportunities. We didn't make plays when we had opportunities to, and there were some you know that were pretty good examples today of, of just missed opportunities. You can't do that. You just can't do that in this league, especially against really good teams. You've got to be able to handle those situations, circumstances, and when it does come to you, you got to make sure you're, you 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 make those plays when they're they're around to be made. You know, and then again from the coaching aspect, we just got to make sure we're putting them in the best position to have success. The Commanders on Sunday afternoon were without corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. Uh, He, for a second consecutive game, was inactive due to an elbow injury that he suffered in that loss to the Giants at FedEx Field in Week 11. Also, the Commanders were without Eds defender James Smith-Williams. He, for a third consecutive game, was inactive due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks in Week 10. Also, the Commanders do have the likes of safety Derek Forrest and edge defender F.A. Obata on the reserve injured list. But whatever. I mean, this defense overall has enjoyed good health this season. And yet the defense continues to be really bad, even now without Jack Del Rio and Brent Wieselmeyer. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza, so make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team. Only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. We move now to college football. Bowl games for the 2023 season are set. Uh, We have the mess (laughs) that is the college football playoff, but we also have five of the seven FBS teams of the Mid-Atlantic region going bowling. Maryland, Liberty, James Madison, Virginia Tech, and Old Dominion. Uh, Maryland will face Auburn in the Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium in 
Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday afternoon, December 30th at 2. Auburn's head coach is Hugh Freeze, who last December left his job as Liberty head coach to become Auburn's head coach. But uh, Liberty is doing just fine. The Flames, they beat New Mexico State 49-35 at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Friday night in the Conference USA Championship game. And they have made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, Liberty versus Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona on New Year's Day at 1 p.m. What an achievement for Liberty, which is number 23 in the college football playoff rankings that came out on Sunday afternoon. Oregon is number eight. And as for Liberty in that Conference USA Championship game, what a win. Again, a 49-35 win over New Mexico State in Liberty's home stadium, Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Friday night. The game through three quarters was tied at 35. The Flames then won the fourth quarter 14-0. Another outstanding offensive performance by Liberty, which generated 712 total net yards of offense and averaged 10.17 yards per play. No, those were not the numbers for the Miami Dolphins against the Commanders at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Those were the numbers for Liberty's offense against the defense of New Mexico State on Friday night. Uh, I have been singing the praises of the Flames offense for weeks. It really is special. Uh, Liberty quarterback Caden Salter is special. He again was terrific. He went 20-25 for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took no sacks. He had 12 carries for 165 yards and a touchdown. So he averaged 12.76 yards per pass attempt and 13.75 yards per carry. Sensational. Uh, Salter for this season now is number five among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS at ESPN's total QBR at 86.2. QBR on a scale of 0 to 100. I'm not expecting Caden Salter to be among the finalists for the Heisman Trophy, but he is worthy of some votes. He has had a spectacular season. Uh, this was Flames head coach Jamie Chadwell during his postgame press conference on Friday night on whether his team was worthy of making a New Year's Six Bowl game. 100% I do. Uh, you got 13 wins. Uh, our average mar margin of victory versus uh, bowl eligible teams, uh, that, it was 17 going into night. It was 14 for this win, so I can't do that math. I don't know what that will knock it down to, but 16. Uh, and uh, we beat six bowl eligible teams. That's the highest G5 in the, in the country. Nobody else is, is above four currently. And so uh, 13 up, 13 down, six teams that you've beat that are going to bowl games. One of those teams you beat twice and went to SEC country and hammered a, a SEC team who turned around and gave a, a miracle or they would have beat a team that's considering for the playoffs. So uh, our team has earned the right to be in there regardless of what happens tomorrow. But if you go all 13 weeks and match us up with who we're competing against for that spot, all the measurables, all the margins of victory, bowl, the people we beat that are bowl eligible, we have more more wins, more margin of victory, uh, and we've dominated. You know, as you look through, um, we've dominated the last six weeks. We've played games and we have we've finished and dominated those. Anything else you want me to add? Because I got a bunch. <laughs>
What a job that Jamie Chadwell is doing in his first season as Liberty head coach. He was hired last December off a nice four-season run as Coastal Carolina head coach. Uh, James Madison, the Dukes, uh, they, after much ado, uh, are going bowling. Uh, JMU versus Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas on Saturday afternoon, December 23rd at 3.30. But we do have big news for James Madison in recent days. Quarterback Jordan McLeod has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, Now, the idea is that he will be playing in James Madison's bowl game, but McLeod in the transfer portal. uh, This off the departure of the Dukes head coach at JMU this past Thursday afternoon announcing that head coach Kurt Signetti was leaving to become Indiana's head coach. This just hours after Signetti on Thursday morning was named Sunbelt Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, Kurt Signetti had been James Madison's head football coach since December 2018. But, you know, you think about this, Signetti leaving for IU, McLeod entering the transfer portal. Might Indiana be getting a package deal in Kurt Signetti? and Jordan McLeod. Uh, Virginia Tech, the Hokies, uh, their bowl game is happening in Maryland. Uh, Virginia Tech versus Tulane in the Military Bowl at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Wednesday afternoon, December 27th at 2. And Old Dominion, the Monarchs, uh, they are in a bowl game. They are in the bowl game with maybe the single best name, ODU versus Western Kentucky in the famous Toastery Bowl at Jerry Richardson Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina on Monday afternoon, December 18th at 2.30. Well, a great gift to the Maryland fan or Liberty fan or James Madison fan or Virginia Tech fan or Old Dominion fan in your life would be bowl game tickets and the best deals on tickets to games of teams in the mid-Atlantic region are from the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. Uh, what makes GameTime great is its best price guarantee. You don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. GameTime's best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best Price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, also, Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the Game Time app create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
Well, the Capitals on Monday night will conclude their five-game trip out west. Uh, they on the trip are 2-2-0, and but the two losses have been bad losses. Uh, late night last Monday night, November 27th, a 2-1 loss at the NHL worst San Jose Sharks. And late night on Saturday night, a 4-1 loss at the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the camps for this NHL regular season now are 12-7-2. and uh, The camps in this game, had just 22 shots on goal to the Golden Knights' 36, including just nine shots on goal to the Golden Knights' 28 over the first two periods. And a big part of this was the Caps committing penalties. The Caps for the game, per natural stat trick, had 51 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Golden Knights' 47. So the Caps actually outshot attempted the Golden Knights in 5-on-5 play, but the Caps committed five minor penalties to the Golden Knights' two and thus had just one power play to the Golden Knights, four power plays. The Caps went 0 of 1 on the power play and just 3 of 4 on the penalty kill. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps starting goaltender for just the fourth time in eight games since returning from injury. He stopped 32 of the 35 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, stopped nine of the 11 high danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Darcy Kemper for this regular season has a goals against average of 3.04 and a save percentage of 894. You compare those numbers with those of the Caps' number two goaltender, Charlie Lindgren. He, for this regular season, has a goals against average of 230 and a save percentage of 9. 34. Kemper has not been as good as Lindgren has been. And uh, that's not what the Caps are paying for. The Caps on July 13th, 2022, announced having signed both Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren as unrestricted free agents. Kemper got a five-year, $26.25 million contract. Lindgren got a three-year, $3.3 million contract. But right now, Lindgren is outplaying Kemper. Uh, the Caps' lone goal in this uh, 4-1 loss at the Golden Knights late night on Saturday night came from top-line right wing Tom Wilson. He scored an even-strength goal 16-46 into the third period for his fourth goal in two games, but he also committed a first-period slashing minor that led to the Golden Knights' power play goal. Uh, top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin, he late night on Saturday night had no points and just one shot on goal. Uh, Ovechkin now has not scored a goal in each of the Caps' last six games. And also with the Caps top line was what happened at center. Caps head coach Spencer Carberry made a change with the Caps top line at center as Evgeny Kuznetsov was demoted from the first line to the second line and Dylan Strome was elevated from the second line to the top line. Uh, And Carberry played Kuznetsov for just 15 minutes, 20 seconds, his lowest time on ice in a game in this regular season, and Carberry did not play Kuznetsov at all over the final five minutes, 54 seconds of the game. Uh, Kuznetsov had no shots on goal and committed a second period roughing minor. The Evgeny Kuznetsov situation is not trending well. Uh, He, for this regular season, has just nine points and is tied for last on the caps in plus minus at minus five. He, for last regular season, was number one on the caps in assists 43, but also was dead last on the caps in plus minus rating at minus 26. The caps in July 2017 re-signed Kuznetsov to an eight-year 62.4 
million dollar contract. Uh, if you remember, we had the Evgeny Kuznetsov trade talk last season. Uh, Match TV of Russia this past March 25th reported that Kuznetsov via his agent had requested to be traded, uh, and the request per the report was not new, as Kuznetsov had previously asked to be traded. Kuznetsov on March 27th in a session with reporters denied that he had asked to be traded. But here we are now, Evgeny Kuznetsov having a disappointing season, and now his playing time has been lessened. Uh, Next up for the Caps at the Arizona Coyotes, Monday night at 9. Well, the Wizards, due to the NBA's first-ever in-season tournament, uh, from which the Wizards were eliminated after just three tournament games, uh, are in the midst of a stretch of playing just one game in six days. Uh, The Wizards over the weekend had just one game, which was on Friday night, and their next game is not until Wednesday night. Uh, We are 19 games into the Wizards' 2023-2024 regular season, and the record is 3-16. and 16. Uh, The Wizards are every bit as bad as could have been reasonably expected. Friday night, a 130-125 loss at the Orlando Magic, and what was a second consecutive game for the Wizards at the Magic, the Wizards is past Wednesday night, lost at the Magic, 139-120. The Wizards in that game trailed for all of the second, third, and fourth quarters. This game on Friday night was a winnable game uh, for our Wizards. They, in the fourth quarter, held a three-point lead at 105-102, but they then allowed the Magic to go on a 22-10 run for a nine-point lead at 124-115. This was another bad defensive performance by the Wizards, who are just atrocious defensively. Uh, They allow the Magic to score 130 points. The Wizards allow the Magic to go 12-31 on threes and 34-58 on twos, and allow the Magic to total 30 Five assists. Uh, the Wizards, for a second consecutive game, got worked by Franz Wagner. Uh, he, in 34 minutes, 29 seconds as a starter, went one of three on threes, eight of 14 on twos, and 12 of 14 on free throws, finished with 31 points, eight assists versus no turnovers, and seven rebounds. And the Wizards got ripped by 6'10", Paolo Banquero, who the Magic took with the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, Banquero in 38 minutes, two seconds as a starter, three of four on threes, eight of 16 on twos, three of three on free throws. He finished with 28 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists versus two turnovers. And whereas the Magic's two big guns, Franz Wagner and Paolo Banquero, came through. The uh, Wizards supposed two big guns, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole, did not come through. Uh, Kuzma, in 37 minutes, 21 seconds as a starter, had just one assist versus six turnovers, and he fouled out. Uh, Five of his six turnovers came in the second half. Now, Kuzma for the game did go two of six on threes, eight of 12 on twos, five of six on free throws, and did finish with 27 points and six rebounds. So it's not like he did nothing positive, but way too many turnovers on and fouls by Kuzma on Friday night. And Jordan Poole, his dismal season continued. Poole in 30 minutes, 20 seconds as a starter, went 0 of 5 on threes and just 3 of 7 on twos and committed five fouls. Uh, He also went 8 of 9 on free throws, finished with 14 points, 4 assists, versus two turnovers and four rebounds. But Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. played Poole for just five minutes, four seconds in the fourth quarter. That was telling. A close game, and Wes had Poole out of the game 
for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, a big reason for that uh, also was the play of the Wizards bench. Uh, the Wizards on Friday night got good bench production from Bilal Koulibaly, Corey Kispert, Landry Shamit, and Danilo Gallinari. Uh, those four players combined for 47 points and went a combined 8 of 10 on threes. West Unsell Jr. played Bilal Koulibaly for all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter. I love seeing that. Koulibaly for the game in 31 minutes, 37 seconds off the bench with 6-7 from the field. All twos finished with 12 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 steals. He did have no assists versus 2 turnovers, but you could argue that no Wizards player's season matters more than Koulibaly's, and he's doing a nice job. This is not just his rookie season, but his age 19 season, and yet he, for this regular season, is number two among all qualified Wizards players in true shooting percentage, which is a version of shooting percentage that accounts for threes being worth more than twos and accounts for free throws. Uh, his uh, true shooting percentage is 62.4. Number one on the Wizards in true shooting percentage for this regular season is Daniel Gafford at 70.7. Gafford on Friday night had a good game, 27 minutes, 20 seconds as a starter, 7 to 10 from the field, uh, all twos. Uh, he did go just 4 of 7 on free throws, but he finished with 18 points, 11 rebounds, including four offensive boards, three blocks, and three assists versus one turnover. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Philadelphia 76ers, Wednesday night at 7. Hey, we've spent the last two segments talking Capitals and Wizards. Underdog fantasy is great, not just for fantasy football, but also fantasy basketball and fantasy hockey. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball, daily drafts, and pick'em. Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Hey, let's talk some college basketball. Sunday marked the two-year anniversary of the end 
of the Turge as Maryland head coach. Maryland on Friday afternoon, December 3rd, 2021, announced that Mark Turgeon, quote, in a mutual decision, end quote, was stepping down as head coach for the Maryland men's basketball program. Uh, The announcement came a mere two days before the Terrapins' Big Ten opener for that season, what was a 67-61 loss to Northwestern at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland, on Sunday afternoon, December 5th, 2021. Well, the uh, Terps' Big Ten opener for this season also <laughs> did not go well. Uh, the Terps, for this season, fell to 4-4 four and four overall and 0-1 in the Big Ten with a 65-53 loss at Indiana on Friday night. Uh, and the Terps losing the game by 12 points doesn't even tell the true story of the game. Uh, the Terps never held the lead in the game. They allowed Indiana to begin the game on a 16-4 run. Uh, they trailed by at least 10 points for the entire second half. The Terps ended the game on a 14-4 run to make the final score a bit more respectable of having trailed by 22 points at 61-39 with less than eight minutes left in the second half. This was an ugly, off-putting loss for Maryland, and nothing with the Terps was uh, uglier than their offense. Uh, The Terps' offense was hideous. They scored just 53 points. The Terps went just two of 16 on three. So the Terps for this season now are shooting a putrid 22.7% on threes, 40 of 176 on threes. Uh, But it wasn't just threes on which the Terps struggled. They on Friday night also went just 18 of 40 on twos and just 11 of 17 on free throws and totaled just eight assists. Maryland right now is a really bad offensive team. Uh, Also on Friday night was the Terps getting out-rebounded by Indiana 46-30. Seven-foot Indiana center and Oregon transfer Khalil Ware. He in 33 minutes as a starter had 14 rebounds to go with 18 points. He went one of one on three, seven of 11 on twos, and one of two on free throws. You look at some individual Terps, uh, Jameer Young, he in 36 minutes as a starter, went just one of seven on threes. He did go five of seven on twos and seven of eight on free throws and did finish with 20 points, three rebounds, including two offensive boards and two steals. But Dante Scott, he in 22 minutes as a starter, went just one of eight from the field, 0 of one on threes and just one of seven on twos. He also went 0 of one on free throws. Dante Scott finished with two points and three rebounds. The Indiana transfer, Jordan Geronimo, uh, not a successful homecoming for him. He, in 27 minutes as a starter, went 0-3 on threes, 0-2 on twos, and 0-1 on free throws. He had no points, also had no assists versus three turnovers. Uh, He did have four rebounds, including two offensive boards and two steals, and did play well defensively. And that's the thing. The Terps' defense was not bad. They held Indiana to just three of nine on threes and just 23 of 48 on twos and generated 16 Indiana turnovers and totaled nine steals. But the Terps have no chance of being good this season if they don't get better offensively. And that's not just about being better on threes. That's also about being more cohesive offensively. The Terps too often come off as disjointed on offense. Uh, You know, I began this segment by mentioning Mark Turge. And let's be honest, if the Terps head coach right now was the Turge and uh, not Kevin Willard, the Turge would be getting pounded (laughs) for Maryland being just four and four. Uh, Willard had a good first season as Terps head coach, but uh, this season... His uh, second season as Terps head coach, not going well. Uh, Next up for Maryland, home to Penn State, Wednesday night at 7. How about what happened with Georgetown on Saturday evening? The Hoyas got robbed 
Uh, Georgetown fell to 5-3 and three this season with an 84-83 loss to TCU at Capital One Arena on Saturday evening in the 2023 Big East Big 12 battle. Uh, this was some game the Hoyas blew an eight-point first-half lead, overcame a 15-point second-half deficit, and then lost on a desperation fadeaway bank-in three by TCU's Emmanuel Miller from the right wing as time expired off a deep inbounds pass. And the shot should not have counted. Miller's left foot clearly stepped on the out-of-bounds line. But the three-upon replay review was upheld. The officials acknowledged that Miller's left foot was out-of-bounds, but the officials could not review an out-of-bounds call that was not made live. The officials could only review for the clock. Unreal. Why officials cannot review an out-of-bounds call that was not made live, I have no idea. If you're going to have replay, have replay. Officials should be able to review everything, not certain things. And if you watched all of this play out, the officials pretty clearly told Hoyas head coach Ed Cooley that Miller's left foot was out of bounds, but that that aspect of the play was not reviewable. So in other words, everyone knew that the wrong team won the game, and yet that team won the game. Uh, Just totally ridiculous. Georgetown got robbed. Uh, I mentioned Emmanuel Miller. Uh, The Hoyas defense in this game was so-so, but they could not stop Emmanuel Miller. He's a really good player. Uh, Miller in 33 minutes as a starter went three of four on threes, nine of 14 on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 29 points, five rebounds, including four offensive boards and two assists versus no turnovers. The Hoyas got more than doubled up in the paint. The Hoyas got outscored by TCU in the paint, 44-20. The Hoyas shooting was really mixed. They went 12 of 25 on threes. That's good but also went just 12 of 28 on twos and just 23 of 31 on free throws, although TCU went just 9 of 17 on free throws. Uh, Some standouts for the Hoyas, 6-2 Illinois transfer Jaden Epps. Uh, He did play off leaving the Hoyas' previous game, the 69-67 win over Merrimack at Capital One Arena this past Wednesday night due to an eye injury late in the first half. Uh, Epps in this loss to TCU, 37 minutes as a starter, 1 of 3 on threes, 8 of 11 on twos, 5 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 24 points, 5 assists, versus five turnovers and four rebounds. Uh, 6'6", North Carolina transfer Dontrez Styles. He in 37 minutes as a starter, went three of six on threes, just two of eight on twos, and five of six on free throws. He finished with 18 points and six rebounds, including five offensive boards. And the Hoyas got very good bench production from 6'9", Kansas State transfer Ishmael Masood. Uh, Ishmael Masood, he in 31 minutes as a reserve, Four of 10 on threes, 0 of 3 on twos, but 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 10 rebounds, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. The Hoyas did enough to win this game. Heck, the Hoyas won the game, and yet they did not. But I tell you, Ed Cooley during his postgame press conference on Saturday night was a total class act. Take a listen. I thought our men grew up. I thought we were resilient. I thought we were calm. I thought we were collected. I thought we were tough, right? And again, as you're building programs and as you're building a team, I give my team an A-plus on their resilience. I give them an A-plus on their character. I give them an A-plus on their toughness today. Is it, is it tough to win? That's my fault. I lost this game for those kids, and I'm going to do a better job the next time we coach. 
We got a week off to prepare for Syracuse. It's going to come in here next weekend. It's 11:30 game on on Fox. I hope people come and support. That made a difference today. The energy in the building made a major difference today. And little by little, Georgetown will get there, right? In order to in order to get to the mountaintop, you got to fail a little bit first, and that's okay. Proud of our men. Really, really proud of our men. So whatever questions you guys have, make sure they're positive. It's not negative about officials, and praise both teams. One team won, another team's devastated. The Hoyas will be all right. It's not the end of the world. Christmas is coming. Everybody's going to get a gift, right? We're all right. Hoyas will be all right. Nobody's going to feel bad about us. Yeah, really good stuff from Ed Cooley. Next up for Georgetown, home to Syracuse this Saturday morning at 11.30. And speaking of Syracuse, uh, the Cuse got shredded at Virginia on Saturday afternoon. The Cavaliers crushed the orange of Virginia for this season, improved to 7-1 and overall and 1-0 in the ACC with an 84-62 win over Syracuse at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Cavs allowed Syracuse to begin the game on a 5-0 run. They then went on a 75-37 run for a 33-point lead at 75-42 in the second half. Uh, the Cavs' defense, very good. They held Syracuse to just 24 points in the first half, held Syracuse to just 5 of 20 on threes. Uh, the Cavs generated 14 Syracuse turnovers and totaled eight steals. And the Wahoos' offense was really good. Uh, this was maybe the Who's best offensive game so far this season. The Who's scored 84 points, went 12 of 21 on threes and 18 of 34 on twos, and had 20 one assists versus 10 turnovers. A tremendous game for 6'4", Isaac McNeely. He, in 26 minutes, 26 seconds as a starter, went 6 of 8 on threes and 2 of 3 on twos. He finished with 22 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists versus no turnovers, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 25. McNeely is a sophomore. His improvement this season is key for the Hoos, and he, for this season now, is shooting 54.3% on threes, 19 of 35. Uh, UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon on Isaac McNeely. Yeah, just, I mean, I think he's, you know, obviously in his first year, he, he deferred more. Uh, we had older guys, and now, you know, he's the second most experienced player on our team, even though he's a sophomore, and he knows we need him. And I, I, I've liked seeing, you know, and that's usually a progression you want for a guy that, okay, this is what's needed of me. Look for it. Make good decisions. And he wasn't all threes. I know he was six of eight, but he had a couple where he was down the lane on the rim. So that was good. And I thought he's been defending well. He had a little trouble um, with uh, you know the start of the second half with Starling, who was a very aggressive driver. But I think he, um, you know, obviously we we know he can shoot the ball. And I just think you know with him sometimes he's screening. And so they don't want to help off him, which opens other stuff. And then sometimes he's moving and um, he's getting a nice feel for where his shots are. And then, you know, he took a couple deep, deep ones that, uh, you know, you're kind of like, okay, <laughs> but he was on today. Yes, he was. Uh, also on was 6-3 Reese Beekman. He in 25 minutes, 49 seconds as a starter went one what on threes, four of six on twos, and two of two on free throws. He finished with 13 points, eight assists versus no turnovers, and a plus-minus rating of plus 24. Next up for Virginia, home to North Carolina Central, Tuesday night at 7. Also with its ACC opener over the weekend was Virginia Tech, 
The Hokies for this season improved to 6-3 overall and 1-0 in the ACC with a 75-68 win over Louisville at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Sunday. Uh, This was a pretty close game. Tech held Louisville to just 6 of 19 on threes, but went just 5 of 20 on threes. But the Hokies outscored Louisville in the paint 36-26. A big part of that, 6'10 center Lynn Kidd. He in just 24 minutes as a starter went 8 of 13 from the field, all twos. Uh, also went three of four on free throws. He finished with 19 points and four rebounds. Also key for Tech was 6-4 MJ Collins off the bench. He in 24 minutes as a reserve went three of three on threes. Did go just two of seven on twos, but he also went seven of seven on free throws. He finished with 20 points, four assists versus one turnover and four rebounds, including two offensive boards. Next up for Virginia Tech, home to Valparaiso this Saturday at noon. And also on Sunday was another win for number 22, James Madison. Uh, now, the Dukes beat up on a Division Three team, uh, but the Dukes improved to 8-0 on the season with a 130-59 destruction of Division Three Keystone College at Atlantic Union Bank Center in Harrisonburg, Virginia on Sunday afternoon. JMU's 63 first-half points, the second most in a first-half in program history. Uh, next up for James Madison at Old Dominion this Saturday night at 7. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Algaldi. You can email me, the Algaldi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 713. We'll have plenty for you on the commanders as their bye week has begun. Mercifully, uh, we on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach Rod Rivera of his team falling to four and nine in this 2023 NFL regular season with the 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Also on Tuesday, show, will talk Capitals. The Caps are at the Arizona Coyotes Monday night at 9. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. We know that Dallas and Miami are good teams, but are you surprised at how big the gap seems to be these last two weeks? Um, I'm disappointed that it looks that way. I really am. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.